0: How was your Savasana? Very relaxing. I felt like a corpse. (laughs) Wow, that sounds great. Savasana means corpse pose. Is that what it means? Yeah. I thought it meant like, you know, at peace or something like that. No, it means corpse pose. That's how you're supposed to lie down, like you're dead. to What's the Deal, the Seinfeld review show that's a master's class unto itself. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order and with me today, as always, is Patrick Armstrong. Namaste. (laughs) And everyone's favorite yogi and guest host extraordinaire, Justin Armstrong. Thank you for having me. I'm Cameron Wong, and this is episode 55. And today we'll be looking at season four, episode 16, "The Shoes." And I'm feeling pretty flexible today. Are you guys? Are we treading on uh, Are we treading on thin ice here with like cultural appropriation and mocking cultures and stuff? Are we mocking a culture? It's, it's not. Uh, you know, I was thinking about. I made a lot of chi jokes at one point on one podcast, but you know, I don't know. They were a bit cheesy. Are we allowed to make yoga jokes? I'm not sure. I was just embracing it. (laughs) You're embracing the... The divine in me recognizes the divine in you. Nice. Just call me Steve Jobs. (laughs) Uh... Oh, that kind of just... (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's hard to know where to go after that one. <laughs> We've, uh, we're really covering the gamut of all the great jokes hanging out there. We'll the, all the, that out. The low-hanging fruit of yoga jokes. Mm-hmm. Call me Steve Jobs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Patrick Armstrong. Yeah. Or should I say Steve Jobs? Yes. How are you this week? Oh, I'm good. Went apple picking. Mm-hmm. That's was great. Wind picked apples. Now Lots of different kinds. How do you how do you pay for that? How do you pay for it? Mm-hmm. Uh you like buy a special bag at the beginning. You can buy a small, medium, or a large bag. And then you can fill that bag. How do they stop you from eating an apple? They don't. I think they even encourage it to be honest. Because they know like what are you gonna eat? Like two <laughs> apples? <laughs> like that's costing them like two cents. You know, when they're selling to a grocery store, I think they're okay with it. I guess so. I mean... you're paying seven bags for, or seven dollars for a big bag of apples, I think they can afford to have you eat a couple. It's a pretty liberal sampling policy, but I like it. You're doing all the work. You're doing all the labor of picking it up. You know, I think it's, I think it's okay. It's a little different than, you know, tasting a, a grape from the grocery store or something like that. <laughs> I guess, Can I get well, a price check, like. price check on two grapes? Price check on two grapes? You got to know if you want an Empire or a Cortland or a Lobo. You know, you don't know what kind of apple you want to eat. You got to taste them. So you're making apple pies? Is that what you're making? I don't think they're going to make an apple pie. I think we're just going to eat them. We're only got like a medium-sized bag. They're poisonous that way, though. Raw? Yeah, you have to cook them. Oh no, Cameron, you're all wrong. You can eat those raw. <laughs> no, no, no. You trust me? You can't. That's why we call them poison love fruit. Oh, the love tomato. Yes. I actually uh, got the line of the uh, the poison love apple from the movie A Kid in King Arthur's Court. <laughs> Daniel Craig's best role. What is he in that movie? Daniel Craig is like the knight that trains the little kid. I thought you were going to say James Bond. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so you've got a big bushel of apples, is your story. Yeah, it was great. You know, it was very folksy. um, But it was really, like, hilarious. Like, I thought it was really funny how, like, the city brought its problems to the country. Because it was, like, I guess the last weekend where you can pick apples before there's, like, a frost and they just pick everything off, off the trees to put them in storage. So, like... There was a traffic jam on, like, every exit on the, like, way to, like, Orchard Country. So, like, the city brought, like, a traffic jam to, like, the country. And, like, when we were leaving, traffic jams the whole way until we got on the freeway. It was ridiculous. So you guys are kind of, like, like, Apple at the vultures. Same time, like a... Apple what? Vultures. Kind of. Uh, I don't know. It felt very, like, weird. Because, like, seeing all these city people out, like, in the field, like, pretending that love the country <laughs> when they spend like one day you know maybe they go out in maple season one day and then they go out in apple season that's kind of it but everyone like pretended you know they love the country and they can handle a chainsaw I mean I was one of them I loved it but, why uh, do you need a chainsaw Just that's what you do in the country have a chainsaw, <laughs> cut down trees what all do right. you do when you're in the country uh, I take all the apples and I cook them so that people mm. can eat them and they don't accidentally poison themselves. Cook them down. So your ears don't get itchy. Well, I like to reduce my apples. Mm. <laughs> uh, soft... Justin Armstrong, it's been a little while. How are you? I'm pretty good. I, uh, I recently purchased a cast iron Dutch oven, so life's pretty good. Oh, I'm Making a lot of bread. I made some jambalaya. It's been good. You're going to make a gumbo? I might make a gumbo. That's a good idea. Gumbo's pretty dosed. So it's hard to find that filet powder. <laughs> well, I'll search I'll search for that, I guess. It's pronounced filet powder, Patrick. <laughs> well, ever since Cameron bought his cast iron pen, after I you know, mentioned in passing that I got mine, I had to, you know, after the arms race had started, I had to get my, you know, I had to up my arsenal a little bit. Well, uh, <laughs> as good a time as any to announce uh, live to the audience... <laughs> About my new enameled cast iron. No. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's a step above just the plain cast iron. It is. And it's also like 300 bucks or something. Like, there's no way... very expensive. Extremely, yeah. Well, I don't like to talk prices about my Le Creuset <laughs> uh, cookware, but, uh, you know, let's just say it's pretty high quality. Also, I have uh, some <laughs> magnets on the fridge of Le Creuset uh, <laughs> enamelled cast oh, iron. Yeah. So, you know it's fine, Justin. It's nice that you're building up your kitchen collection, and uh, may I say, you'll get there one day. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron. Cameron, you know how many enamelled cast iron uh, Dutch ovens I have? No, I have two. Whoa! How about how about the Dutch oven in your bed? Fights. <laughs> <laughs> <Sparts. laughs> Cameron, how are you doing? Uh, Well, obviously, I'm on fire with the jokes today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Aside from that, you know, I'm well. There was uh, the old teacher strike out here in British Columbia, and I am no longer striking. I I may have not even been striking when we recorded the last episode. It's it's hard to say on our intense uh, weekly release schedule. Mm -hmm. Every week on the dot. I'm actually doing something quite uh, out of season at the moment, though. I'm drinking a Granville Island Lion's Winter Ale at the moment. I can't believe that's even available. It's October 7th. It's like the old rhyme says, remember, remember, October 7th. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, no, I'm doing well. I've uh, just been hanging out with this Justin guy here this evening. We covered a wide range of topics, including... The uh, Dig Dug Chubby Checker song, which I actually sent to you, Patrick. Did you ever listen to it? No, so you forgot it existed. Oh, yeah, that's a good song. Oh, you did listen to it. Okay, I... then. Uh, yeah, so we, we listened to that. We we talked a little about, uh, I don't know, some, some phone software. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Are you gonna are you gonna buy an Apple Watch or uh, or an Android Wear? How much do you think the Apple Edition cost? Watch will cost? That's what all the podcasts seem to be talking about. Well, it depends on what the materials that the Apple Edition watch is made out of. It's true. Uh, if it's a watch that for some reason is made out of solid gold, <laughs> the the price might be higher than expected. <laughs> um, but I think uh, I think they'll probably be pretty expensive. Yeah. Probably unreasonably so. Uh, I have to say, I think I don't understand the Apple Watch. But I mean, I also, when I saw the iPhone, I thought it was kind of dumb and no one would want one. And it would never take off. So, what do I know? I think the fact that I don't understand it at all makes it more endearing to me. It makes me feel like I really want one because it must do something better than I realize. That quirky underdog from the multi-billion dollar company i was gonna say the the quirky <laughs> upstart apple computers incorporated from <laughs> one of the biggest companies in the world uh well justin is wearing his moto 360 <laughs> right now and i think it looks quite smashing i'm Ooh. not wear, i'm not wearing a moto 360 it's actually it's on the table he's not wearing it you're All more that, of a galaxy gear type guy it's true although like you know Mo three sixty looks pretty cool, but I don't think I could justify buying one. What's I, I realized the other day? There's like a black bar at the bottom. Why is there a black bar down there? Uh it's like a compromise. Like to the only way to get like a screen with that little bezel is to have that little weird bar in the bottom. Apparently, people who have them barely notice them. So, and especially if you have like dark watch faces, it's not a big deal. But it is what it is. All right. That's, uh, that's a show. <laughs> in this Android podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, uh, this week on What's the Deal show, uh, we are looking at the shoes. And in the shoes, Jerry and George are hard at work at uh, creating the screenplay for their pilot for NBC. Elaine has bought a new pair of shoes from Botticelli's. And Kramer snubs an old flame of Jerry's. And then uh, hijinks ensue. There's questions about cleavage. And, uh, yeah, no, it was a pretty good episode. So, uh, mm-hmm. if you would, if you'd like to check it out, uh, head over to whatsthedealshow.com where you can't actually stream or watch the episode, but you can <laughs> certainly, uh, listen to this episode. You can see the show notes for today and Patrick Armstrong's going to make a little picture for this week. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, so, so yeah, take us in. Yeah. So this week, uh, we start with the monologue and Jerry's on about relationships. Uh, The basic problem is no one knows when anyone should do anything. There's no sexual rule book. So Jerry says that the solution to a relationship is to break it down to a system of complicated rules. (laughs) Then everyone can be happy. So what's the deal with these wacky women not wanting sex? (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of (laughs) like the sexual rule book sounds like a really it sounds really bad. Jerry's material sometimes sounds, <laughs> like, when you take it at face value, sounds really, really, really bad. Let's take choice out <laughs> of the equation. Yeah. Um, and yet, somehow, he manages to, like, keep it clean by having, mm-hmm. like, a totally innocent joke tacked on to the end. You owe me this. Like, <laughs> But that's the thing. But he takes it to this place where it's like, uh, if you don't, uh, if, if whatever doesn't happen, uh, I'll I'll have to I don't remember he's like I'll have to cuddle you or something and it's like oh, that was weird get a warrant or something uh there there was a pun about what he was like you know I I don't know what the pun uh, was he said but, uh, uh put out a warrant for an embrace uh, uh, and yeah, there we go that's actually pretty clever but. which makes it sound really cute but up until then <laughs> it's just kind of like so you know it's a few dates in and well it hasn't happened yet <laughs> infraction. Penalty on the field is a flag on the field. Football reference, guys. Football reference. Nice. Uh, (laughs) I don't really know what else to say about it other than when he started saying it, it sounded disturbing. And, like, maybe he was going to jail. I feel like the whole sexual commentary of this whole episode is a little questionable, but I guess we'll talk more about that. Yeah, I definitely did feel uncomfortable while watching this episode at a few points. I felt very comfortable eating my food prepared on my new cast iron cookware. <laughs> Cameron! <laughs> so, um, alright, so in the opening scene, Jerry and George are in the apartment and they're writing. Now, they're really cooking here. They got a, they got a good line. I wrote it down. The butler says, I'm not cleaning it up. I'm sick of cleaning. And they love it. They they think it's real funny. The show's really, uh, it's really cooking right now. And, uh, yeah, Elaine enters, and, uh, Kramer eventually enters, and, uh, we get to, we get to know Gail Cunningham. Uh, Yeah, so, it's interesting because I think the last time we saw them they essentially couldn't write at all, and now they're kind of firing on sort of well yeah that's true they're kind of firing on all cylinders yet at the same time i kind of appreciate why they think their work is so good because when you're kind of riffing with a friend and you're you're in like a good sort of zone i guess it's pretty easy to start convincing yourself that everything that you two say are like comedy gold mm-hmm. like i bet justin when you were writing your screenplay for two star-crossed bros <laughs> <laughs> like i bet you felt like there were some pretty good lines there Wow. You know, it's funny. Cause I, <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole point of that was like, it was meant as like a joke, like as like a punchline. Like the the whole point is I would tell this story that I was like, oh, I was making this screenplay. And then the 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 joke was like that title. But uh, I actually tried to write a screenplay once. It wasn't very good. Fact, I remember. It was really bad. You, so you, people might not be aware on the show that Justin and I were once roommates. And Justin i think it was around christmas time i was away and i came back and there was like some papers on top of the fireplace <laughs> which i don't know if you recall but we couldn't use the fireplace it was always a big tease oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you had to think for a second like did we have a fireplace yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i grabbed the papers like what's this and then you just like snatched them in my hand well and you're, like you know, i'm writing and then you took them away that was it when you're when you're a bad writer any writing is embarrassing mm-hmm. Well, I felt betrayed, and I had to soothe myself with a grilled cheese sandwich prepared on a well-seasoned cast iron <laughs> pan. Uh, so, uh, yeah. But anyhow, so they, they are riffing, and they do think it's really good, but they, they want advice on the show, or at least positive feedback. And what they decide to do is George wants to show his therapist, and Jerry wants to present Elaine with the screenplay. Okay. What do you think about those as bounce-off targets? Like, I'm not sure why think, George thinks the therapist is a good choice. Well, they're both women. <laughs> yeah. That's true? Well, because they, they have a problem where they, like, can't, they can't write women, you know? They, like, Elaine enters. But they don't, say? <laughs> they don't I really don't view what that as that? a problem. You know what they should have Well, done? they don't know, but they don't know what, how to, to write for Elaine. You know, it's a problem. You know, why do you have to gender it though? Why can't a character, you know, just be a character? What if they made the butler a woman? How about that? But don't don't make it don't make it weird. How about that? Is that possible? Where or switch the genders of every character? Oh, did I just blow your mind? i you to just, just solved uh, <laughs> misogyny. <Justin. laughs> this is Justin's modest proposal. <laughs> the only way to deal with sexism is to swap the genders of everyone in the known universe. It will be that the greatest also. fanfic of all time. <laughs> <laughs> then they all make out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I actually just had this conversation the other day because I was listening to an episode of The Incomparable where they were talking about uh rebooting old shows. And almost every single person, the like sort of twist on the show is like, oh, but you remember this character we had? Gender swapped. <laughs> <laughs> uh gender swap feels like maybe the laziest way to kind of like justify recreating something yes but also do people actually do it a lot though i mean people have talked a lot about it but have we actually seen it in society that people actually make shows where they gender swap although i guess there's that sherlock holmes with lucy Liu. i'm not gonna lie that was the one example that immediately <laughs> uh, popped to mind but... galactica well, yeah. oh yeah starbuck nice yes. Justin said, "Oh, like he knew what you were talking about." <laughs> I, I'm so uh, unaware of that show. Remember how the Cylons used to all be women? It's kind of like Babylon, Babylon Five, right? Or <laughs> the same show. Babylon Five is like Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I always Wait, get those we'll have confused. numbers in the title. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, swapping gender roles, sexism. Yeah, well, it is kind of funny, though, because it's an, it's a very inside joke that I don't think people would have got at the time, but they're kind of playing on the fact that when they were writing the show, they submitted the first episode, the, the pilot, and they're like, oh, great show. And then it was pointed out to them that they had like no female characters on the show. And you might recall in the first episode, the waitress who's <laughs> like, it's a difficult job, George, decaf left, regular right. Uh, that was supposed to be the female character in Seinfeld they thought that was good enough as like a primary female character for the show the server at the restaurant <laughs> that they see once in a while uh, and so the fact that the solution to this is like oh yeah this is really hard forget the Elaine character <laughs> <laughs> it's too hard to keep track of where everyone is yeah I guess it, you know it's pretty funny as a Meta commentary on the creation of the show. I do like the visual comedy when they say like like forget Elaine that they tear the pages up. (laughs) No (laughs) offense. So I'm just punched into Google Seinfeld gender swap, and I'm just going to go with the first uh, first result. Here we go. What is what are we watching here? Yeah, it's. I'm going to go ahead and say no good. Yeah, that's nothing. That's like, that's... why are they all wearing bathing suits? <laughs> is is the one person with glasses supposed to be George? Is that so? The... This is George. This is Kramer. He's got a cigar. Jerry's got a cup of coffee. Oh, I, I guess, get it. A bagel. That's that's pretty weak, though. Yeah, this yeah. Uh, this just derailed the show for nothing. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Yep. Next go. up, so Kramer comes in. Guess who he saw. Jerry's old flame, Gail Cunningham.
1: lie. Gail. Oh.
0: <laughs> Gail Cunningham. Um, so, yeah, Kramer sees her. He remembers that Jerry went on some dates with Gail Cunningham. Three, three dates, dates, specifically. And she wouldn't kiss him goodnight. No kiss? It was a snub. That's a real snub. So, when Gail sees Kramer... You know what he does? What does he do? Never said a word. (laughs) Walked by her. Gives her the big snub. Yeah. Now. Now, Okay, go ahead. Well, so there's a few important things here. I think, uh, well, uh, we're obviously going to bring up friend protocol on a breakup, which is very important, but three date kiss rule uh, was interesting. Do you know why it interested me? No. Uh, Because... A certain anonymous person I know <laughs> once told me that if a person doesn't kiss you by the end of the first date, they don't like you, and it's just you might as well forget about it. I meant have say that at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, let's be honest, Gail Cunningham didn't really like him very much, and then she kind of went on the second and third date for just to be polite, I guess, and then by the third date, it was just a waste of time, so, you know. But we that... know Gail Cunningham at this point. She she doesn't seem like the sort of uh the sort of lady who's concerned about that. Uh I don't know. She seems like pretty friendly with with Jerry, so. Uh that's my that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. Uh 3-date kiss rule. If if you don't get a kiss within 3 dates, it's over. No no point. You know who also told me that? Also Justin Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Patrick do you have a thought on this three date uh, kiss rule I just don't think there needs to be a rule well actually if you check the rule book <laughs> uh, yeah okay now I'm with you so uh, friend protocol and a breakup pretty important Justin Armstrong if you had a good friend who just got out of a long term relationship actually not long uh, short like a, either way it doesn't matter you have a friend a relationship ends you see the ex what is the appropriate protocol do I know the. Like, am I, do I know these people? Yeah, well, like... you, must, you must kind of know them, but you, you, uh, the, the relationship's a bit of a negative breakup. I'd probably say hi. Do you stop and say hi, or do you say hi and just keep walking? Uh, probably a hi and walk. I'm not a big stop and talk, to be honest. Oh, I know. <laughs> We've been on the run this whole episode. Patrick Armstrong, how about you? Well, if they say hi to me or make eye contact or make some kind of motion that they want to talk, I'll do probably the, like, bare minimum. And usually it's not because, like, I, like, feel a loyalty to, like, the friend. I just feel awkward in that situation. It's just uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about the fact that they broke up with whoever. I just want to get out of there. I think so I, don't uh, know, I don't know if it's loyalty. It's just uh, cowardice. Uh, cowardice. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you just kind of do like a half smile and nod. Yeah. What hmm, like if they're like, "Oh, hey, Cameron," and like stop? Do you just uh, keep walking? You're not stopping. If they, you're, if you're, they, you're, they, you're stopping, you're not. If they stop, back. I have to stop. Yeah. But I'll tell you this: it's going to be short. Oh yeah, you're you're pressed. You're, but there's no keep going. there's no way you're doing the Kramer. Let me tell you that. Because I, I mean. If I had a dollar for every time some girl stops me and is like, how's Justin doing? I mean, I'd have no dollars. But if that had happened, you'd have to... St- and that's the thing, right? So they're like, oh, you know, how's, how's how, are, how are they doing? And you're like, oh, you know, you know how they are. And they're like, oh, yeah. And you're like, all right. See yeah, you there's later. Nothing, there's nothing to say in that situation. Like, how are they doing? Oh, good. You know, keeping on. <laughs> keep him busy. <laughs> Just keep on keeping on. Yeah. All right. So, Kramer, he, he's he gone above the pale for. Above the pale? He's gone beyond the pale for. Beyond it, the right? line of duty is probably. Yeah. Um, A so call the next... of Duty. So, next scene Jerry and Elaine are at the coffee shop. Jerry's been showing her the script. Elaine's pretty upset. She throws the script at Jerry. She's not even in there. Then uh, we get a surprise visit from Gail Cunningham. And uh a little uncomfortable confrontation. I love Gail Cunningham. I think she's yeah. great. I think that, you know, she could have been a regular. Like, you know, she's pretty one note in this episode, but she could have been developed, you know, the the chef from Pfeiffers, you know? I think she could have been a character. Although she's a bit I don't know, is she a little too Elaine like? I'm not sure. But I like her a lot. Yeah, I like her too. Um I actually think and in my notes I'll give you the verbatim what I wrote. Gail is pure breakup material. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. Look at look at her. She has that hat and that big red cape. She's too dramatic. Is she like, like a it. superhero coming to Walp? She is Moxie, and she went out with Jerry three times, and she thinks she has the right to go in there and demand to know why this other person snubbed her. I bet they broke up on, uh, you know, amicably. You no, know, Gail Cunningham kind of seems like she would make a really good like aunt, you know. <laughs> Auntie Gail.: Yeah, like someone like who, you know she comes to the family occasions, she makes everyone a little uncomfortable. They just want her to be quiet. That's Gail Cunningham. I like her though. Uh, <laughs> Cameron's the not a fan. I mean she would actually be an okay character, but I think I think we're heaping a little too much praise on Gail Cunningham here. I think the actress is really good. I think that's what it is. I think she that she has a lot of promise. I haven't looked at her IMDB credits. Maybe this is the only thing she's ever done, but I think she, she has some talent. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Gail mentions (laughs) Elaine's shoes, and when she finds out they're from Botticelli's, Mm. she makes a bit of a stink about it. Is this a problem? Have you ever bought something and then people kind of ridiculed you for buying, you know, like what is kind of seemingly a little too fancy? Like, say, a $20 yoga mat strap. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, one time I was at a party, and um, uh, someone, like, complimented me on my shirt and said he had, like, a similar one. I was like, oh, yeah, I think I got it at, like, Club Monaco's or something. He's like, oh, Club Monaco's, and then turned away and went and talked to someone else. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was the first time I met Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> People always compliment my shoes. Like, really? They, yeah, they're, they're they just haven't ve- seen canvas shoes. Before? What kind of shoes are you wearing? They're just red Vans. Although I really like them because they have like this. They're actually my third pair of the exact same kind in a row. But they're like this. Oh, like that's a way to live. I love that. Uh, yeah, it's great. And like it's like this blue pastel color on the on the bottom and like this red and black red red shoe with black lace. I think it's a good look. But people people like them. I think you guys thing. think that you're like Steve Jobs, but I think you guys are actually more like Marco Arment here. Probably, yeah. It's not about being snappy, it's just pure pure laziness. That is a good feeling though, as like a straight man to be compliment complimented on your shoes. Yeah, it feels I feel really like you're good. doing something right. It feels real good. Who's giving you all these comments? they're just men? Lots of people. Lots of people. Well, I, I've been around you lots and I haven't exactly seen, you know, the lineup of people. To tell you about your shoes. It's funny, they were my second choice of shoes actually. And then I ended up not liking the first choice, got the second pair. And I haven't looked back. <laughs> what are you? Are you writing a screenplay right now? That's, a, that's some killer <laughs> material. We'll put the shoes in the show notes. It's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll take a picture and send them out. Um. So, Gail, you know, yeah. Actually, Patrick, She's... Club Monaco, that is like. I wouldn't have turned away, but. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be caught dead in there. Yeah, it's too... I mean, too normally, it's expensive. <laughs> I got it on the, the season-ending sale. It was a good deal. Anyway. You notice that we didn't say anything because we don't believe you? <laughs> <laughs> the price um, must have been outrageous. I think it was like $20. It's From nice. Club like, Monaco? Yeah, it's made of wool, and like the inside is lined with cotton. It's very comfortable. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Probably. <I'd-> yeah. <laughs> Patrick, there's no way. There's there's no pair of shoes. You couldn't you know get that. Shoes. It's a shirt. I mean shirt. But a twenty dollar shirt from Club Monaco. Okay, I'm gonna click on the sale section of Club Monaco, and if I don't oh, see here we one go. twenty twenty dollar shirt, you're in trouble. Forty nine. Yeah, they're like they're like fifty dollars, Patrick, on sale. I don't think it was that much. I remember it being a good deal. Okay. How about men's clearance? I'll go down to clearance. Yeah, it was clearance. It was what? in the clearance section. Uh, $39. Maybe it was like a Boxing Week blowout and you got a really good deal. No, it was just, I think it was like spring and like, um, it was like a wool shirt. So I don't think many people are buying wool shirts. They are actually very nice looking shirts. It's hmm. probably Fair. why you paid like, what was it, $90, $100 for that shirt? At least. $900. Um, so yeah, you know Clearly, as we just seen now It's very annoying when people Make fun of you for why you buy your clothes um, I'm not so, making yeah. fun of you, I just wouldn't be Caught dead in Club Monaco, that's all Oh, look at you, Club Monaco <laughs> <laughs> I actually think Her embarrassment, though, is a little It's not about being made fun of It's, you're kind of Proud of it, but a little slightly embarrassed Her getting this much attention I get the exact same thing about like uh, when people ask me about my phone. Actually, for some reason, I get really embarrassed. Like, I can't, I can't handle it. But didn't you buy like what is ostensibly a cheap phone? Not that it is cheap, but it was literally like on the cheap end of a phone. It, it was, but just explaining it, I, it's too embarrassing. I can't handle it. Because maybe is it is it because you like bought it specially and like it wasn't just like. You went to the phone store and bought a phone Was it one of the phones they have? I it's, hard, it. it's hard to explain, I guess it's like yeah it's yeah, I don't know well, what about this? What do you think my life is going to be like when <laughs> it's like a week or so I watches out uh you know I guess Apple I, watch you know, sorry, Apple Watch is out uh, I'm obviously I have the sport edition watch That's at the course. lowest dollar value uh and I wear it to my place of business. Oh, you're going to get a lot of attention. But you love the attention, Cameron, especially with the electronics. Yeah, but that's it's, true. But it's going mean, to be negative attention. There are a bunch of Android no. heads over there. They no. are. No, no one's They'll still of... be, imp- they'll be like... The kids, they will, gonna... the kids will like it, but the adults are going to incessantly what, Are they going to be wearing, a like Galaxy Gear or something? Those Moto 360s, wall-to-wall. Well, actually, so I was speaking to uh, Chris Young, mm. and it was the day that they announced that? the Apple Watch. And we were discussing some potential problems with the Apple Watch. One being the two different sizes, and that even though it's totally unreasonable, we both feel like the big watch is a masculine watch, and the smaller size watch is a little more, little more feminine. To put, it, to put it the other way, on average, women have smaller wrists than men, so more women will probably have the smaller watch face. Now, it's only a difference of 4 millimeters. But I was kind of wondering, like, what is that going to look like? Like, how big is that? So I I measured on just, like, a little piece of cardstock what 42 millimeters was. Nice. And then I, like, held it up to my, my wrist to see. I made the mistake of telling people that I did this. I, I, I was ridiculed mercilessly. So if that's what that reaction got, wait until I actually have one of those stupid watches. And, like... I'll have I'll have ordered it for the reviews come out, and the reviews will be like, "Wait, it's a stinker!" And I'll have it. And I'll, I'll feel like I have to wear it like one day. <laughs> you know, the kid with the Samsung Galaxy Gear pushes me into a locker. <laughs> it's good. It's well, gonna be just bad. Just like a Samsung commercial. <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, I'll be like, no, it's cool. See, those guys have it. And then I'll look up from the wrist, and it's my mom and dad in the school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, it's all coming true. It's exactly (laughs) as I imagined it to be. Wow. All right, so next scene, George is with uh, his therapist. And, uh, you know, we see that George is making some progress, you know. George has grown. And, uh, then, George asks, did she read the script? And, uh, her her response is less than enthusiastic. And George promptly throws a temper tantrum. Now, she's known George for a while now, in theory, right? He's like, oh, yeah, we've made progress, um... In what world does she think that speaking to George with such level of candor about something he's created is a good idea? He's made progress. But, I mean, you can just hear in his voice that he has made no progress. (laughs) You don't need to be a therapist to figure that one out. Yeah, it's weird. It's like she's making... She's... Like, when he says he's made progress, when clearly he's made no progress... She's being encouraging there, but then with the script, she's not encouraging. Maybe it's just so bad that uh, they can't. Uh, she can't lie about it. Well, what because, was like? It'd be a disservice. What was the line again? Uh, what she says? Yeah, she says, "I think like it was good. It was good." <laughs> and then she says, "It wasn't funny." Well. You know, I'm happy to give you this little factoid, that uh, the actress, uh, Gina Hecht, uh, was in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, who did she play? Uh, Manua Apgar in the classic 1990 episode, A Matter of Perspective. Hmm. Huh. What's that one about? Uh, she, uh, she accuses Riker of seducing her and killing her husband. Wow! Oh, I know this one. That's a pretty good episode. It's always kind of weird the episodes where Riker is kind of a ladies' man because, like, he never really comes across as particularly like, uh, like, seductive. But it's always just kind of weird and awkward. What are you talking about? <laughs> he flips that chair around, sits down with the back of the chair forward. That's the way a rebel sits. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, I have two things to say about the therapist. One, I think she's great. And I love her character, and I think she's just a, a, f- a fun, strong woman. Uh, second, I mean, come on, you're you're a psychiatrist. You know the power of words and like inflection and stuff. How could you possibly say it's good? And like, like, how could you say that as a therapist and not like, like, see like the meltdown that's coming? And also, I feel like her sessions with George are just basically her kind of like stroking his ego, trying to slowly. Worm him towards some kind of growth Cause like the moment any kind of Like reality hits he's like he blows up So I don't know Do you think she's a good therapist? I'm I love how you start with like I love her she's great strong woman <laughs> But man is she bad at her job <laughs> No I, I love her as an actress And as a character but uh Yeah it's questionable Questionable something She is in. She's in the wrong here she has to know That she shouldn't say this to George yeah. Like I, I think if this... Literally, if she thought this was a good idea, she must be a bad therapist. I think George has a great response uh, to what she says. (laughs) You stink? No, Yeah. How's this for criticism? Uh, You stink. (laughs) You know what makes me laugh? That diploma on the wall. (laughs) And then she she drops the most awful line on him afterwards. It's... uh, it's It's kind of up there with some of the, like the infuriating lines like uh if you don't know what you did, I'm not going to tell you when shes uh I've heard people say this line so many times, like not to myself necessarily but just generally it's the uh like well, if you can't accept criticism, like how are you gonna improve or whatever It's such a lame excuse for for people with no tact or uh mm-hmm. can't or you know emotional sensitivity, i guess. It is, and I, I actually, I kind of side with George, because when people say that, I feel like the only reasonable response is to go berserk. Because I'd... there's there's no rational argument, because they basically pigeonholed you when they say that. That you're actually just not accepting this criticism. Right. You totally swag me, Cameron. She's terrible. I hate her. <laughs> and a bad actress. <laughs> well, that exo- episode of Next Generation is pretty good, so <laughs> I'll give her a pass. All right. Um... So the next scene, Jerry and George are in the apartment. Elaine enters. Everything falls apart. George is mad at Elaine because uh, he feels like the therapist she recommended. She's no good. Um, Elaine is mad, you know, just in general because the the script, or no, she she's uncomfortable because they asked what what she thought of the script, and Kramer. He kissed Gail Cunningham. Right of the lips. <laughs> yeah, it it's the whole scene becomes really odd. I mean, Kramer goes from hero to villain <laughs> in no time flat. Uh, Jerry is just like a backstabber. I love how they have Jerry use the same line. What sort mm-hmm. of friend are you? And then in the early season, it's like, what sort of friend is this? Like, he's just so happy. You see, unlike the therapist, Jerry understands how inflection of words matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, the whole scene has this like weird setup where they walk in, and there's already cocoa and two mugs sitting there. And then George just starts making the cocoa. Oh, really? That's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's wearing this like uh, cow oven mitt to handle the kettle. <laughs> um, I really love Kramer's line where like he explains how he went from snubbing to kissing, and you know they're arguing outside the Y, and then he just walks up to her. Pulls her towards her and Planted one <laughs> Puts his hand around her waist Pulls her near And the, that glee on his face Of like how excited he was That he pulled it off that, Probably the funniest part of the whole episode Although mm-hmm. it made me think a little bit about like, Cause that's kind of like a, a, a trope I guess Of I don't know I guess of romance in general Of this idea that like the, the strong man at one point Just pulls the woman in and just plants it And then she realizes that she loves him like, because, mm-hmm. uh, like, I, I recently watched Ratatouille, and the guy does it sort of by mistake, the same thing, where it could have... And it always kind of, like, I, I, I've never... Wait, been, he kisses the rat? No. <laughs> the rat kind of, yeah. Well, the rat no, The kind rat d- kisses him. <laughs> oh. The, Pulls him in near. <laughs> the rat makes him kiss Colette, of course. But, uh, yeah, it's always, it's always been kind of weird, though, because I've never really... I guess bought it. This like out of nowhere like strong masculine kiss that convinces that woman that she likes him. I don't know. Well, yeah, it is weird. It's like this woman is furious at him and his reaction is to kiss her. And then it's and then it's great. I don't know. Is that I a thing? Imagine that. I've never heard of that in real life. Have you ever heard of that, Cameron? Uh, I mean, I bet it's happened because some guy saw a movie and it's like, well, I know what to do here. I'll kiss her. <laughs> That'll calm the crazies. Like, <laughs> it, <laughs> this woman's irrational. Yeah, it's, it's their date, by the way. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. And in all the movies, it's like, pull her in, kisses her. She kind of squirms for a minute. Maybe kind of hits his chest the fist, and then stop, pause, think about it, and then now she's the one in charge, and she lunges at him, and she's she's more ferocious than the man. Yeah, but and there's also this line where Kramer drops, "Oh, so I understand you're buying new shoes now." Elaine <laughs> <laughs> is furious. Well, she's embarrassed. She shouldn't be uh, buying such lavish shoes. Yeah, you know, I love when she like she's so angry about buying shoes at Botticelli, and she like shoves Jerry and Kramer at the same time. Now. In this scene, Kramer claims that women love the snub. Do you think that there's any possibility uh-huh. that any sort of person is actually into the snub? Because I thought about it. I actually think that more men are into the snub than women are. Men are the definitely snub. into the snub. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'd never even considered that point, Cameron, but once you said it, I'm 100% in agreement. Men yeah, love I the snub. I don't women like the snub. No, women don't like the snub. When we get the snub, they think you're an idiot, and then they move on. Men love the snub, though. It's. (laughs) I've really opened a door here. Justin's mind is actually leaking right out of his ear. It's true. I'll just leave it at that. Now, you know, uh, Chris Young's not on the episode this week, but, man, I can't stop talking about fashion this week, because you know who else is dressed very poorly this week? It's Elaine. That pink shirt pretty nice uh that vest that looks like she carved it out of a a couch pretty (laughs) ugly she has this huge long black skirt on with a giant slit right down the front like almost like thigh level but the skirt is super super long it is uh, it is both extremely conservative and risque when she was doing those like very aggressive points i noticed her legs start to show a little bit yeah and then she's wearing shoes with socks Hmm. Yeah, those white socks. <laughs> um, yeah, the the whole thing in that sense was really, really odd. It's just like, top to bottom, no good. Like, I feel like <laughs> you could pull off that look today as an ironic 90s look. It's very Elaine-ish, is what I'd say. Like, it absolutely is. She has a very, like, particular fashion sense. <laughs> It's hard to say if it's good or bad. It's just very strange. <laughs> I think we know where you're going with that one. Uh yeah, no, it's bad. It's it's not a good look. As always, I'm amazed how George just looks like a person from now with his shirts. <laughs> no, if he just untucked it, it's it's completely modern. He's ahead of his time. Yeah. Um Alright. So um let's see. Next scene. Um, we're at a Pfeiffer's restaurant. Gail's eating. And Elaine comes in, freaks right out at her about the shoes. Uh, how did she get in there? How come no one stopped her or insisted that she leave? She had that angry, angry look on her face. No one wanted to challenge her. That's. Is she, wait, let me. Uh... Is the implication that she's, like, is she the head chef? That seems to be the implication of... Yeah, she seems to be running the kitchen. Well, like Head the... chef or maybe, like, like the chef du cuisine or something, you know? Something like that. Like, I like whoever, like, the sous chef or whoever's, like, next to her, like, she he just doesn't seem to, be, like, care what, what's going on. He's just like... Duh, duh. Oh, and then he motions to her to add seasoning or something, which I thought was funny. Mm. <laughs> it's quite a setup to get that sneeze into the pasta primavera. Uh, Is that how illness works? She like she's like kind of sneezy, and then that sneeze transfers germs that somehow makes him like like stomach sick. Is that how sickness works? Yeah, yeah I didn't really. I, I, as a plot point, it didn't really make much sense to me. Um, but yeah. So the the pastor sneezed on the pastor Primavera, sneezed on, handed to Russell Dalrymple. Well, and it's like how violently ill. Is, like, is Elaine. Yeah, because she's not violently at all. She's fine. Well, she's got a strong constitution. It's true. Not like it's weak old Russell. White, those warm white sports socks she wears. Have you ever eaten pasta primavera? No, never. I looked it up on Wikipedia. Apparently the, the key is the fresh vegetables. <laughs> Say the peas, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Next scene, Jerry and George are at Dalrymple's apartment. They're going to discuss the script. Um, Yeah, Russell dalrymples he's not feeling too well. And uh, yeah, something about the Pastor Primavera at Pfeiffer's. Um, Okay, I have a quick question that has perplexed me ever since I've seen this episode since I was a kid. What does it mean when they say they use the buoya base as a toilet? What does that mean specifically? What are they trying to? What is he trying to say with that implication? Because I honestly I, I have, assume they pee in it. What? Yeah, they, they pee in the Booyah base. But like, does that make any sense though? Like, I, I guess I never even considered that. That I thought it was like a a metaphor, or like they didn't make it very well. They why would they do that as a I don't know. Like, they it hate just... their customers? <laughs> I mean, bouillabaisse, it's it's an expensive dish. There's a lot of, like, seafood and mm-hmm. different stuff in there. It seems very nice. It's delicious. There's <laughs> a uh, little seafood. They got a lot of different stuff in there. Urine. <laughs> <laughs> it just, like, it doesn't make any sense to why why Bouchard's. Is it Bouchard's? Bouchard's, yes. Bouchard's. Why would they yeah. be as a toilet? Of all things. People would taste the urine. It's just what I'm saying. They just reduce yeah. it. <laughs> Can you get that phosphorus? Yeah. What are you saying? Stick to the consomme. <laughs> anyway, um, Russell decides, you know, after all this restaurant talk, i got to get started. His daughter is going to be there soon.
1: Denise Richards.
0: I going to yeah. say. She- She's mean, a fun age at this point. She's fifteen. I think that's like an incredibly—it's a dad thing to say. I love to say it to people. So when I, whenever I, whenever I'm at school, when it's a kid's birthday, I'm like, "Oh, how old are you?" And like, "Oh, I'm 17 It's like, "Oh, like, oh seventeen—that's a fun age." <laughs> uh, and they give you a look like you're crazy, but you know, I—I I derive enjoyment from it because it's just such a throwaway line. Like, there's. It's difficult to think of something that requires less thought and is more impersonal to say to a person on that comment than that. It's like, oh, you know, like, my daughter's 15. Oh, she must be enjoying that. Like, (laughs) that's all that really means. She's going to have a good year. Did you know that Denise Richards was 23 when this scene was filmed? Oh, I wrote it down as 22 on my notes. Uh, Maybe I didn't do the math very well. but Maybe I didn't either. (laughs) I didn't really check specifically what her birthday was, but 22, 23. Yeah, she definitely doesn't look like a 15-year-old. Well, you know, with those, uh, you know, 15-year-old hair, I guess, and 15-year-old clothes. I was going to say, they, they, Although, put like, her, they put her in young people's clothes, and so, she says, Daddy, which I guess is supposed to make her seem young. With, like, a completely inappropriate top, to be honest, but just throwing that out there. She's a teenager. They wear whatever they want. It's like it's like nothing. There's, like, no clothes there. It's, it's well, terrible. I, I'm going to send this to Patrick. Justin can see it right now. I think humorously, uh, this this guy was uh ben ben mckenzie in the oc was supposed to be playing like a 15 year old or something like that i mean that's not a high school i think he was like 29 or something when they were filming this show he does not look remotely like he doesn't look remotely young no he's he's old he he is old and it's like you know what giving a like a young person's haircut and a young person's, like, shirt just doesn't do enough. Hey, that's not the guy who plays Commissioner Gordon in Gotham, is it? It is. <laughs> oh, my God. It is, as a matter of fact. Wow. I actually haven't seen the show yet, but uh, he looked very familiar. And that's that's why. Wow. Uh, and so just kind of, like, like he just, no, he's way, he was way too old then. And Denise Richards does not look like a teenager now. You know, I think, well, she kind of pulls it off, I thought. Oh. She she had very healthy skin. I'll yeah. give her that. So, anyway, um, how this how like Denise Richards enters is you know Russell he's trying to explain about their script every time he reads it, then you know he's nauseous he leaves to vomit, he's vomiting and um, let's see, George and Jerry they're trying to they're trying to guess what's going on. And his daughter enters, Molly, played by Denise Richards. And, you know, they're making an awkward conversation. George, you know, mentions divorce is very difficult. It's very <laughs> awkward. He's just and, being folksy. It's funny. And, you know, George it's a good look at that cleavage. Russell what? is pretty upset. Uh, Jerry, Jerry Pokes... And then George looks with, like, the most lecherous look of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, he's, his eyes are locked there. The only thing that could have made it worse was, like, if he licked his lip or something. His, like, like mouth though, was, like, slightly open, and it was, he was, like, kind of breathing a little heavily. It was bad. <laughs> it was real bad. So there's, there's a, few, a few things I have to bring up about this whole So number one, they're talking about the pasta primavera, and he says primavera means spring. Uh, pasta of the spring... I hope that's true because because of this episode, whenever people tell me they're having pasta primavera, I tell them it means pasta of the spring. Oh, is, really? Is that correct? <laughs> uh, I assume. Uh, the other part is that Russell's extremely violent retching. Uh, it's crazy, and it it just reminded me of this story, where, in my current apartment, where uh, you know, good old good old Justin here. Uh, once resided, you can actually hear uh, people's conversations from their washroom or, like, near to their washroom through the, like, ventilation shaft. And sometimes you can hear it quite loudly. So there's, like, a person in our building who sings uh, Disney songs quite often, and you can hear them practicing. So I was home alone one night, and I just heard downstairs this, like... This, like, intense stomping run into the washroom, and I just hear this male voice and he's like oh. Oh. <laughs> And then oh. And it's like the most, it was the most violent retching noises I've ever heard. And it was like it sounded like a constant stream, like so he's just like oh. And then all of a sudden it's just this like oh. And he goes again And he throws up and it feels like forever. It's probably like 30 seconds or something right and he's kind of takes this deep breath he's like oh and and you hear the toilet flush and I can hear him walk away literally within about 20 seconds I just hear feverish sprinting back there (laughs) and he's throwing up again loud and loud and loud in between one of these wretches just in this ragged voice he's like oh god (laughs) oh god and like I, I don't think I've ever read my tick that I've you know said oh god well i didn't know what to do like i was almost worried like what if i hear this guy like pass out because he can't breathe but it was also really gross so inevitably i think i did the responsible thing and i closed my bathroom door so i heard it less (laughs) i don't i don't actually remember that what what was that i was the only one home at the time Hmm. i don't remember that at all although i've had a lot of well you weren't home i thought you were talking about me is that me No, I'm the one. You're not the person throwing up. What? I thought I was throwing up. No, I heard... (laughs) I thought this whole story was, you heard me throwing up. This is you? You don't throw up. No. Neither one of us throwing up. I could hear a person in the other different apartment through the ventilation shaft. All of a sudden, this story makes much more sense. I was a little confused. (laughs) Nice try, Cammy. <laughs> I mean, if I was telling a story about you know the safe spot in the shower oh, to stand, boy. that might be that might be a Justin Armstrong story. The safe spot in the shower? You don't recall this? Oh. No. Well, stay stay tuned for so the you after show. Guys are so winter. I do not remember that? I don't remember that. When at you all. and Stewart had the washroom and it was all dirty, and you had that like one clean spot in the shower. we Oh could yeah, stand. that was kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, for the record, primavera does mean spring. So you're safe, Cameron. Pasta of the spring. Reminds me of the time when Justin violently threw up, it's true. Or was it me? So can we talk about Jerry and his like poke? Is that justified in any scenario? Well, wait, let's let's talk about this in a second because Jerry and George, you know, they discuss it in the next scene. Okay. So the next scene <laughs> we're in Jerry's apartment. George is very upset, or Jerry is very upset with George, you know. But George thinks it's not his fault, because Jerry poked him. Now, Justin, how do you feel about the poke? I don't see in any scenario... I mean, okay, in the context of a 23-year-old Denise Richards, of course, you know, perfectly valid. But in the scenario here, this is a 15-year-old Denise Richards, or a Molly, if you will. And Molly, you know... I will? There is no... What? What? There is no scenario Doesn't talking about drugs. <laughs> uh, you know, there is no justification for the, for the poke in that scenario because that is no. That's that is no good. That is there's no like. Oh, I'm just a man. You know, I like breasts. It's no good. You can't. I don't. I don't condone it, and I don't think Jerry was justified. And I think. That being said, George's, like, creepy, lecherous stare, also not justified. Well, I mean, that's like saying, Justin, that if some women saw some really nice shoes, that the woman wouldn't poke the woman next to her and tell her to look at the shoes. It is true. Women like shoes, men like cleavage. This is a reference to the uh, final monologue, in case you haven't watched the episode. Uh, is Ellie. Is, is, is Jerry justified? Um, I'm not saying that Jerry did the right thing, but... I don't think that it's no. necessarily I, I don't I don't think that it's necessarily out of character for us to assume that Jerry would poke George in this scenario. But fifteen though, oh I'm not saying it's okay, I'm just saying I think it fits their characters. I guess. What do you where do you weigh in on this, Patrick? I mean it's pretty creepy. I mean they're here at this important meeting. And then, you know, this guy who was important to their career, you know, there's that element. And there's also the fact that she's 15. He knows she's 15. It's a fun age. You know, they've been talking about her, like, as if she is a child, he... which she is. It's, it's pretty creepy. No. It's, like, it's, like, wrong for his career. It's wrong just because he's <laughs> taking advantage of this woman. It's wrong. It's wrong in many ways. It's terrible. It's gross. That being said, George, he he's got a that that George certainly isn't blameless. That lecherous there was just so gross and so disgusting. It was it was Mm. bad. You got to stop reading Chuckle Bros, my friend. (laughs) See, like the thing is, like if, like I think, like if you know, like the person's like feel the vision. There was cleavage there. You know that happens. That's understandable. It's the poke and the the stare. They're both terrible actions. They both done something awful. I agree. So, Gail comes in. She's very upset with um, with uh, Elaine. You know, trying to sort this whole thing out, and uh, you know Kramer. Kramer comes in. Oh, it's, uh, it's very... It's, or it's very uncomfortable. It's weird. Pastor Primavera. Wait, I, I realized I had one final note on this, this thing here about the stare. So what, what I just said was that I think that looking at people in general, whatever it is, whatever the situation, if you decide to look at a person, that it's not that the fact that it was cleavage and it's the sun, I think anytime you're kind of like gawking at a person... You better treat it like the sun. Yeah, you can't. You can't stare. Yeah, you can never stare. No. So uh, now, now I've said everything I need to say. That's a good point, Kevin. I think we. Well, you know, that's the the difference between the look and the stare. There's no, there's no, there's no fault in the look, but there's a fault in the stare. Unless they're fifteen, where you just don't look in their general direction at all, just, <laughs> just never. Especially like the Denise. Fifteen-year-old, close your eyes. If you're ever near high school, you know you just put your <laughs> blinders on. It is true. I mean, like what she was wearing. Like, come on. Like, I guess that is kind of like what some fifteen-year-olds wear, apparently. But it's it's no good. Just I think don't... I think teenagers are into it. Haven't you read The Fault in Our Stairs? <laughs> 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 all right chuckle bro let's uh let's move on that's so, pretty good yeah oh um... man that would be a great chuckle bros uh <laughs> oh it's uh how about this okay let me give you the setting it's uh it's a person looking for an optician and the optician is called the fault in our stairs and it's uh yeah they sell glasses I just assumed it'd be like a uh, like a stair factory, and they just <laughs> just did a poorly built set of stairs, or it's uh, a stair inspector. Okay, well, how about how about that part? The subtitle says the less romantic versions, part fifteen, and it's the fault in our stairs. That's pretty, that, that's actually a good chuckle, bro. I like it. All right, moving on. Uh, oh, I just want to say before we leave the scene, there's a pretty great uh, thing where you know Kramer says. You know, Gail Cunningham's a wild one. You know, she's wearing him out, and she says, and he says, she sensual. You know, with the cooking and It's <laughs> not, <laughs> not the cooking at all. He says cooking oils. What? I thought think cooking and all. I don't think he says cooking oils. I, was, I thought he said cooking why oils. Why cooking oils? Like thought, she's rubbing oils on herself. Yeah. It's, no. no was, she's rubbing the oil the on him. No, she's eating. No. Sens- she's eating and cooking sensuous foods. Yeah, because you know she's cooking. She's very aware of her senses. She's always tasting things. I, I don't think it's cooking oil. Sorry, <laughs> I've gone to the authority on I've gone to Seinfeld script. Okay. .net. Uh, .com. She doesn't say where. But maybe if you search for "she senses," well, here that's- we go. Cooking and all. Wow, I really thought he said the cooking oils. <laughs> yeah, that... she, lo- she loves that canola oil. Well, that's why I thought it was funny, because... I think olive oil is a little sexier, but just throw that out there. Well, I was making making the point that it was not that sexy. I suppose so. Um, but that's why I thought it was funny, because I, I thought the joke was that Kramer thought it was like erotic that she would like rub him in these like kind of cheap oils. Uh, but apparently cooking at all so finally at the end of the scene they get a call it's uh it's stew from nbc and dalrymple has canceled the pilot it's a tough way to break the news so there's a scene break jerry's blaming elaine elaine's blaming george and jerry Jerry, you know, he's saying you know, if there's cleavage in the area, it's a reflex. You know? Uh, You know, everyone's upset. But Kramer, he agrees to do a favor for Jerry. It's a real caveman attitude about, like, looking and, like, sex in general, I guess. But maybe we'll leave it at that. Cleavage poke. Cleavage poke. No control over it. gotta cover those women up anyways anyways, moving on so so yeah um yeah (laughs) (laughs) well the show's off the rails now folks Jerry's Apple watch (laughs) he has a he has a huge watch in that scene so I didn't know I want to take a I want to take a picture of it uh so yeah he agrees to do this favor which is to inform them when Russell is at the restaurant and yeah. Gail agrees to do it on the condition that Elaine gives her the shoes. It now, was... I actually, like, if I go into, like, a secondhand store, do you know what section I never look at? I don't want, shoes sec- I don't want secondhand shoes. That's a, that's a personal guarantee. You can take that to the, <laughs> the bank. These are from Botticelli's. What is Botticelli's? Did you look it up? Is it a real store? I didn't look that up. Bought a cellist. Would it be dangerous waters if I said that it's different for women's shoes? See, I think in this case, like the shoes are clearly new. And so Gail likes them, you know, I think it's different. Like in the men's shoe section at a used shoe store, I don't know who's <laughs> buying those shoes. Those are pretty close. I mean it's different. If it's like a really like Like if it's like kind of like a cool secondhand store, Mm -hmm. Botticelli shoes, established in 1968. These are some pretty cool ones. So let's take a look at women's booties. Wow, that sounds really bad. Actually, it's just what it's called in the section of the store. Oh, they're pretty pretty expensive. Pretty nice. Oh, wow. Around three hundred and fifty dollars and up. I'd rather buy a Le Creuset uh, Dutch oven. Wow the men's shoes are pretty ugly wow are those those are men's shoes eh those uh those are supposedly men's shoes. <laughs> they're no good, no good yeah. Pricey, though mm Well, we'll make sure to put a link to uh Botticellis Some of Those are pretty sporty or not sporty, but like fancy. I can see them so the next scene. The plan is happening. Gail's at Pfeiffer's. She sees Dalrymple being shown to a table. Um, she asks the chef to like sauce this, which I think is their like attempt to like say like, "Oh, we know what goes on in the kitchen. Make <laughs> sauce. <laughs> sauce this for me." That's why um, I think that she might be the head chef because like that's a pretty bold order to make. Yeah, she's not the saucier. She's the. She's up there, and I know saucier from ratatouille, by the way. <laughs> so Jerry and George show up. They they you know meet Russell, and they're you know trying to explain themselves. And Elaine shows up to get some ketchup. Can I and can I just quickly mention that like she does a pretty cool like wink when they like do the exchange where. You, she gets the shoes and she, like, points at him. Could you give it a rest with Gail already? She does you're, a cool you're wink. you with Gail. She's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like this... the Gail. Um, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. What? I, w- I want to know, like, this is supposedly, like, a fancy restaurant, right? It's for, like, power executives. That's right. Why do they have ketchup at the table? I don't know. It's a, it's a big mistake. Especially, like, at this Italian restaurant. It's like, they're not going to have fries. Well, it's like, oh, Pasta Primavera. You know what I'd like to dump on this? A bunch of processed tomatoes and sugar. <laughs> um, so Elaine is asking for this ketchup from Russell. He's, he's clearly not noticing her very obvious cleavage, you know. she's distracted by George and Jerry. Did you notice while you're being distracted by George and Jerry that Elaine is acting like a psychopath in the background? I had never noticed that. Every like I've seen this episode a lot, but I had never noticed Elaine in the background like waving a napkin and like banging things. When yeah. she when she picks up all those like carnations out of the little flower holder and she's just like throwing them in her face, like <laughs> really really odd. Um. So. So, yeah, um, eventually Russell notices their cleavage. It's nice cleavage, Smiles. by the way. Elaine flirts with him, you know, about his ketchup secret. Russell's oh. happy. And then Russell mentions field of vision. Uh, and it's funny. Yeah, like, Russell, it's like Russell suddenly understands, like, George's predicament. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it's like, See, oh. the thing is, though, it's different. This is, like, a grown woman in a restaurant who is clearly flirting with him, where has at his house, this was a 15-year-old who was not flirting with them. It's a very different situation. Yeah, and she was definitely, like, just straight into his field of vision. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I I, I don't really know what to make out of it. And like, so he looks at her breasts, he smiles, walks away, and it's like, the pilot's back on. Like, Elaine is some sort of weird sexual offering to Russell. Uh, I felt kind of uncomfortable. Like, I know Justin said at the beginning that there's like some weird sexual undertones to the episode. Uh, This is probably the biggest one for me. Because they've seemingly offered him a lane in exchange for the pilot. Well, it was, it was her idea, so. It, even if it weird. is her idea, it's still, like, yeah, I don't know. It seemed odd to me. I mean, he stared for, like, a solid five seconds. I think I counted. That's, like, a million years and, you know. Staring, cleavage, ears. Staring, cleavage ears. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> yeah, it's it's weird. So there's a break. Jerry, George, and Elaine, you know, job well done. They're all eating dinner. Gail comes over the table. They love the passenger from over. The pilot's back on. Elaine is going out with Russell, and uh, yeah. And in the monologue, men are like this, women are like this. Well, funny's funny. funny. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what, what happens in that uh, little outro there, Patrick? Uh, you know, actually, I didn't take any notes of uh, the outro. Oh, well, let me, let me sum up Jerry's joke. Men like breasts, women like shoes. That is the comparable thing between men and women, according to Jerry Seinfeld. Men, men ogle women's breasts women look at shoes but what's funny is though it's not just a throwaway joke I feel like that's like the foundation of this whole episode because you think about it that's like that's literally what happens in this episode the, the only women in this episode the only thing they seem to care about is shoes and in, the men in this episode only seem to care about cleavage they care about being snubbed it's true they care about not having full access to that cleavage it's true. It's really weird. It's really like and a- it's really old-fashioned sexual ideas, I guess. I don't know. And like it's played pretty straight though. I don't think it's ironic. I think he's literally making this like observation about people. And it's it's pretty gross. Although kind of cute in a Seinfeld way. Well, uh what do you think about the episode as a whole, Justin Armstrong? wait 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 i have one last thing oh sorry at the end there's this joke about how russell is taking elaine to bouchard's the place that george said his cousin worked and they use the bouillabaisse as a toilet isn't that weird that he's taking her to bouchard's it is uh after george told her that but maybe he doesn't believe george yeah i guess that's reasonable and like is the implication that like, as punishment for her forcing them to put a woman in the show that he's gonna he's gonna trick her into eating like soiled bouillabaisse? is that the idea <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> it, it seems to be the implication <laughs> take that woman. <laughs> uh, <That's> so- <laughs> The, the worst five second Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your spoiled consommé. Take that woman. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds bad. I just think he thinks George doesn't know what he's talking about. That's it's probably pretty close to the reality, actually. Uh, so so anyhow, yeah. What what do you think about the episode as as a whole? Uh i actually like the episode it's very it's very plotty actually it like kind of moves the plot of the development of their pilot forward and and that's good and you know kramer and elaine are pretty funny with their uh, shenanigans and that being said you can't help but think about the sexual ideas that are kind of like implicitly and explicitly put forward that are pretty uncomfortable it's a bit of a mixed bag but that being said pretty entertaining I would largely agree with that sentiment. I think it's a pretty funny episode. It's got a good pace. It really moves the sort of like the season arc forward, uh, sets up some, the storyline of Elaine and Russell. So no, I, overall, I think it's a pretty good episode. There There is some weird sexual humor there. Uh, Patrick Armstrong? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, I think there's definitely some problematic elements of the episode, but you know, there's some, there's some really good lines, you know. Okay, we're talking about planting one. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty funny. Well, you know what else is funny? The wealth of knowledge that is available to you on What's the Deal So head over there right now because you can join in to everyone's favorite part of the show: other business. And today, in Other Business, we were going to look at a Kickstarter trying to raise funds to ban Nickelback from London. But instead, I've decided that we'll go with uh, Chris Young's not here, so we can do a, a kind of draft of items. And uh, this is from a gallery slideshow at The Telegraph posted called Quirky Inventions That Did Not Change the World. Uh, so we'll just kind of we'll roll through them here at a, a moderate clip. Uh, The first one is a corset with inflatable bust. (laughs) Nice. Uh, I mean, this is a pretty good invention. I was going to say, if you kind of consider that this is like a a 19th century invention, this actually seems almost too good. Mm -hmm. Slimming and makes your boobs huge. (laughs) Well, it actually doesn't do anything to your boobs. You would just have these strange inflatable busts. To your bust, I'm sorry. So what are we gonna say? Like winner or loser? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs or, up, thumbs down. Or, you know, maybe, could we give it a score? Out of ten. <laughs> or just thumbs up, thumbs down, and we just call Thumbs up, thumbs down, I think. Alright, well you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and give the uh the inflatable corset a thumbs up. Yeah, me too. Me too. Three thumbs up. This bust is a boom. <laughs> <laughs> Item number two is a mustache protector. <laughs> I don't understand this one. Um, How does it protect your mustache? And from what? <laughs> if, you're, if you're just like driving in the car or walking around and you can't look at this picture, it, it just looks like three pipes with like a little or like i guess it's like one pipe with like a little at 90 degrees another pipe at the bottom i have no idea how this protects your mustache so you can it looks like you can It the pipe is hollow and you feed parts of your mustache into the kind of mallet at the bottom and it goes up the middle how does that protect it from the elements okay i'm gonna go thumbs down because i have no idea what this does it's stupid thumbs down it's bad what, in what scenario is this a good idea? I mean, it looks like you could double as a whistle, though. It's like a mustache <laughs> protector and a whistle. The mustache doesn't need protection. <laughs> All right, thumbs down. I agree, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Item number three is a com- uh, combined knife and fork. Hmm. Mm. They look like scissors, though. That's the see, idea. But that's that's the sharp part. You see, this is actually ingenious because the idea of a combined knife and fork. The problem would always be, like, the knife would be on the side and would cut your mouth as you Mm. use it with the fork function. But in this case, the scissor makes it so the knife part is, like, inside. And so, like, what you do is you open it and cut it like scissors to cut up your food, then you close it. The sharp part is hidden. You can use it as a fork. This is ingenious. Two thumbs up. But what would you use, like, the the scissor portion for exactly? To cut up your meat. Yeah, like, if you had a piece of chicken, you just, like... why don't you have a big green bean that's too long? You gotta put that up. <laughs> so you gotta put down your regular knife and like pick up the new knife. No, bean. you don't have. No, this is the only utensil this. you have. You're saving time. <laughs> you don't have to worry about which side of the Atlantic are. Whether you have your knife in the left hand or the right hand. Are you eating with this knife, or do you yes, like? Yes. You're eating with it. Well, you eat it's with ambiguous. the fork, and you use the knife for it to cut. I'm gonna give this two thumbs down because this is bad. You, don't, you just don't understand it. You're not the visionary. See, wasn't this like, like there was an episode of Clone High? I think they had like the Nork, where it was but a knife. It was the problem where the knife faced on the outside and would cut <laughs> your side of your mouth. In this case, the knife is safe. It's faced inwards. This is ingenious. Two thumbs down. It's two uh, thumbs up. Uh, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Like at first blush, <laughs> I thought this was a great idea, but I am concerned that. Like, it's not like the blade part kind of, like, folds into the fork. It rests on top of it. So when I kind of have it in my mouth and I pull that succulent now cut green bean that was previously too long into my mouth, I'm worried that I'll be running, like, a blade against the roof of my mouth or something. No, it's safe. The blade is against the the tine of the fork. But it's not against the tine of the fork. It just sits over top of the tine, it looks like. No, it's right against it. You know what? I hate to do this, but if I have to vote one or the other, I'm gonna give this thumbs down. You guys have no vision. It's a great idea, but I I think I'm gonna cut my mouth with this. (laughs) Item number four. Item number four is a portable bath. (laughs) So this thing, all it is, is a bathtub with like curtains around it and four wheels, a floating woman's head, and four wheels. Thumbs down. You don't need your math to be portable. This is stupid. Uh, Well, Patrick, before you leap to any conclusions, might I point out that at the very top of the design, it clearly says a useful new design? No. Thumbs down. Where are you bringing this exactly is my question. Just, you know, with you everywhere. You're at the department store. You're a little bit filthy. (laughs) thumbs down. Well, it's kind of like having like a rolling dishwasher, except that it's a useless thing all the time. (laughs) Yeah, this is really bad. I wonder, but like, what is the cell job, right? Like he, okay, just put, you're you're Thomas Simmons in 1861. You've designed the portable bath. You step into the dragon's den. (laughs) You report them all. What (laughs) What is the use case you give them? It's like, I've invented something amazing. Say you want a bath and you don't want the bath to be in the bathroom <laughs> or if you want the bath to be in the salon or the living room or the kitchen you know in a world now without that world is now in a world without a tv it is really useless. But, you know, if you wheel this out <laughs> to the living room and you, you watch, That's you know, not Netflix not. on your TV, you know what? I'm I'm a fan. I was just actually thinking <laughs> that the only use case I could think was flopping this TV <laughs> in front of the television. Why not just bring a TV into the bedroom? <laughs> yeah, it's too me. dangerous. An iPad or whatever. Put it in a Ziploc bag. You can't bring, like, a real TV in the, in the bathroom. Of course, I like the curtains on here, too, so, like... What's the, what's the use case scenario where you need to move the <laughs> bath around so desperately but you also crave the privacy that you would have had if you had just stayed in the bathroom? Oh. Thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down. That, that is, is three thumbs down. Item number five is the ventilating hat. I now, like this it. This is a gentleman's top hat and uh, in the top amongst a fancy crest nestled right in the middle is what it seems to be a mesh hole. I'm going to have to go with thumbs up. Because, you know, you got this vent here. You know, it's the London season. It's quite hot. It's the summer. You're wearing this hat that is, you know, made of made beaver pelts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Shipped over from New France. Mm-hmm. You're too hot. So you need that vent there to cool your head down. I'm going to thumbs up. Patrick, I... a made beaver is a measured unit of currency. It's not the, uh, the actual yeah, sure but... of the pelt. But you eventually, you know, make that into a hat. You do. It's true. So uh, a thum- thumbs up from you. I'm yeah, a fan. Thumbs up. I think it's good. Very practical. You know, I think it's probably thumbs up too. But let me ask you guys: does this not look like a hat that someone's wearing to like a steampunk convention? And there's like <laughs> a little a, a little Bluetooth speaker so. behind that grill. Look at <laughs> me. Oh my God! This is this is prime steampunk material. I don't know what the speaker would say. Like It's like, oh, uh, it's just my uh, without wires mobile communicator. <laughs> Hello, Mary, can you hear me? And then like out of the speaker on the hat, it's like, because it's, it's the mom from uh, I it's the it's teacher just, from Peanuts. I think it's just playing like megaphone hit. It's like, Steam ship, Steam ship, right around my Steam ship. Off the go, and baby. That <laughs> just all the time. All right, so three thumbs up for the ventilating hat slash steampunk speaker hat. <laughs> <laughs> Item number six is a design for a jack for putting on and pulling off boots. Hmm. See, so I'm gonna. So this is a device that looks kind of like a like you know like a water pump from like the <laughs> uh, except the pump instead of or like like an oil pump if you are ever like driving through the prairies or Texas or whatever. Uh, except instead of pumping oil, it puts your boot on somehow. I'm going to say thumbs down because it looks like it's going to tear up your ankle. So what is the purpose of it? Is it to take the boot off? It's your, well, it's so the boot it, on. Or off. Or it off. does both. So there's like a metal toe and you slide your foot into the boot so the boot would rest in it. So you kick it in. It locks into place. So then it's holding your boot so you can take it off. Right, and then when you want to put your boot on, you can pull these levers that tilt the shoe, so you can put the shoe on more. No, thumbs I down. Feel, I feel like people in Victorian England they just loved levers, and they're like, "We can apply a lever to this situation," and so they build this complicated <laughs> apparatus, and they're excited that they know about this machine. It's like. like it's like a Rube Goldberg machine. Like it has like it, but it has no purpose though. Is the thing like how? Why do you need this for to put your boot on? Like. All you need is a, uh, what do you call the thing where you put your... uh... Shoehorn? Shoehorn, that's right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this uh, two thumbs down, because not only is this stupid, but it's going to take up way too much space. (laughs) Uh, Edward Fox in 1846, for shame. Item number seven is a breast reliever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What? I actually... I'm not sure if I understand this diagram at all. So, it looks it the there's a bunch of images. The top image seems to be like a breast pump mixed with like a perfume bottle sprayer. Hmm. Uh beneath it seems to be I don't know, like a syringe with two spoons attached to it. My interpretation of this image is it's like <laughs> the illustration that would be in an encyclopedia if they were trying to explain explain hallucinogenic drugs to you. Yeah, this... It's just a random assortment of terrifying images. (laughs) I like this one on the right-hand side where the woman has, like, this weird breast, and I think it's, like, the nipple, and then what appears to be, like, a superior nipple on the top, but it's crooked, (laughs) and they're about to, like, apply a plunger onto it or something. (laughs) Uh... I mean a breast reliever, it sounds nice. But I have no idea what that means. Do you think that means like it's for extracting milk from like a mother? I don't know, but I mean, something it's... tells me if you used whatever this like torture device is, you would be relieved of your breasts very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have both thumbs down because this person clearly has never seen a woman's breast. Like these all look like rejected weapons from like <laughs> Doctor Who or something. <laughs> Uh yeah, thumbs thumbs down. Thumbs down is bad. Item number eight. Oh, went through two, two. Item number eight is the double <laughs> spectacles. <laughs> the devil's what? It's double spectacles. Huh. <laughs> so, so what does this mean? Is this? I can see two two ways this can be used. Either two very close friends decide that they want to like go in on a pair of glasses and just save money by buying this pair of double spectacles. And they're like they're it looks like two pairs of glasses side by side with another bridge connecting the two pairs. Or so, like maybe you flip over the second lens and that it's kinda like uh Yeah, so if you look at the diagram, he, he it flips it onto the front and it's like a secondary focus. Like if you look at the diagram, so the front pair is figure 2 and you can see the lens is doubled up. But is that how is that how glasses work though? Can you just like throw another lens in front of it? I don't actually know how lenses work. Yeah, I don't see why that wouldn't work. That would definitely work, isn't that like how is not not like guess, how old like uh telescopes and stuff work by having like multiple series of lenses I suppose so but what would be the use case though Cause, like if i guess like patrick says two people with weak and strong vision it's like it's like bifocals so you you need a prescription both for your nearsightedness but you also need a prescription for your farsightedness so bifocals have two different strengths of prescriptions but it's just uh the lens is kind of like cut into a third but I thought the way bifocals work is the top bit is the uh, the one aspect of your vision, the bottom bit is the the other aspect of yeah, your. Yeah, that's vision. what these ones are like. Except this one, it's probably nothing flipped out. So just the first one is your first level of vision, and then you flip the second pair in front, and that's, and that's the, the second the stage. nearsightedness. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem with this is you can't not look ridiculous with the <laughs> secondary pair flipped back back what, to the whatever side. do you mean as you like walk around London town with like <laughs> this weird pair of like glass dog ears flapping by the side of your face. <laughs> I'm gonna vote see, I'm gonna have to vote thumbs up because I don't know that bifocal I guess bifocals did exist at this point. So thumbs down. This is worse than bifocals. I'm gonna vote thumbs up because it's clever. Yeah well, I... I'm gonna vote thumbs up on the condition that it's actually <laughs> that thing where two friends share the same pair of glasses. <laughs> All right, It, it kind of looks like two people could like, wear them at the same time. And... That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I saw something the other day called kissing glasses, and it was just one <laughs> pair of glasses, except the arms went in both directions, and so you wore them at the same time, but you just stare straight at each other. Anyhow, Justin, thumbs up, thumbs down on the, you know, the spectacles. It actually seems relatively practical, so I'm going to go give a thumbs up. Maybe not, like, maybe a little... Poorly implemented, but I'll give it a thumbs up. A surprise pass for the double spectacles. Yeah. Item number ten. A design for an anti-garrotting cravat. Hmm. So it's a cravat, and wait, what does garrotting mean? I believe that is to. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Hmm. That's why garret wire is used to strangle a person. I don't know what garret wire is. It's like it's like piano wire, like. Have you ever seen I didn't no- know that was called that. Yeah. Um. So you know what? I guess if you're living in a world where you're constantly in danger of being strangled, and you need to wear a cravat, I guess this is not a terrible invention. It's very practical. So it prevents- If you're like, if you're perhaps some kind of like archduke or something, and you're afraid of being assassinated. Practical. And eh, no. It's a bad <laughs> idea. Well, what, so if you're a person and your life's in danger, what are you going to do, Justin? Open carry? Is that what you're suggesting? I don't understand how this is going to prevent strangulation, because even if you can't, like, tighten it anymore, you could just, like, loop the cravat around the, behind the person's neck and just pull until but they it's choke. it's reinforced. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rigid. Like, it's, it's, like, extremely it's rigid. rigid metal. It's like, imagine, like, a metal pipe around your neck. All right, but a metal pipe around my neck is going to choke me. <laughs> but no, it, it's no, It's completely rigid. It can't be compressed anymore. No, but it's still it's if it's strength. If it's solid, it can move against my flesh and then slowly strangle me. It's Mm-mm. it's not going to like fold in space. Imagine, so that... but just imagine like it's very strong and inflexible, so it's impossible to compress it anymore. But it's still a hard thing that's around my neck. It's like if you had like a metal collar, it can't be compressed, but you could still strangle someone with it. I guess you could stick your hands behind it and then just pull pull back. Or like I could choke someone that way, like yeah. But well, wait, why is choking? Why is garroting this primary method of assassination? They had guns in 1862 and knives. Because I it's... feel like a knife is a lot simpler than. But garroting. This, is, this is quiet and bloodless. You know, mm. like you're you're dealing with intense assassins in this scenario, Patrick. I don't think this could pull off what it's trying to achieve, so I'm going to give a thumbs down. I'm I don't think garroting it... is that big a concern, so I'm going to give a thumbs down. Well, if it wasn't a concern, they wouldn't have invented it. Walter (laughs) Thornhill, a big thumbs up from me. (laughs) Item number 10 is the portable rotary hair brushing machine. Hmm. I mean, this is just a disaster waiting to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, uh, it's quite simple. It's uh, a hairbrush hooked up to a giant rotary dial and uh, what appears to be a handle. And I guess you would put your hair on top of the brush and then pull the crank, or somebody else would spin the crank and it would pull your hair through and brush it. It looks kind of like a buffing machine. <laughs> well, it's like kind of buffing, you it's buffing your hair. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, I can just tell you by looking at this right now, this is a horrible invention. <laughs> <laughs> what if your hair gets caught in that... that uh... That's a uh, pulley wire or whatever. Well, yeah, that's like, clearly this is the that's, biggest problem. What's like, the thing on the left? What's that all about? I don't know. There's like a big, there's a big separate that's section from, to That's it. from the other but... angle. That's from the, that's oh, from, I see. Like, it's like a like a front view and a side view. I, I know, but what's all the extra like little metal <laughs> things on the side for? Those are the torture implements. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way this is working. Thumbs down. Uh, this is an obvious thumbs down. Yeah. I mean, what if you're trying to use this, though? Okay, realistic question. You've set it up. You're like, okay, I'm going to brush up my hair. I'm I'm Justin Armstrong in 1864. Uh, I've got long, flowing hair. I want to brush it out with my machine. And as you're using it, obviously you can't sort of, like, tangle and untangle yourself from this machine very quickly and very easily. What if someone comes up from behind and tries to strangle you? <laughs> <laughs> this is a big concern, I bet, in the era. Should have worn your cravat. Uh, finally, item number eleven is, uh, and I quote, designed for an invalid's exercising chair. Now this chair, it looks like a high chair, and the chair is like suspended in the frame by a man's suspenders. <laughs> It's quite a beautiful looking chair, like it's velvet, you know, crushed velvet or something in this wood. Is this just like a children's bouncy chair? I think it is, but for an invalid. I don't see what kind of exercise (laughs) this invalid is getting from this chair. Well, I mean, their feet certainly aren't going to reach the ground by the looks of it. And why does an invalid need to be exercising? They should be resting. I'm not sure. I'm also distressed that the picture seems to have the chair both leaning, like, tilting, <laughs> listing slightly to the left, both from the front view and from the side view, which means that it's actually, like, bouncing precariously in the back left-hand corner of the chair. I feel like you really want solid construction. That's something for an invalid. You, know, you don't want any possibility of it toppling over. It does look kind of top-heavy, like, it could easily top over. Well, and there's nothing to secure your invalid to this chair. That is true. This invalid's just coming straight out the front. Personal <laughs> responsibility. That's what they believed in the Victorian era. But beyond the exercise aspect, it looks like a nice chair. It is. It's like the nicest chair I've ever seen for a child. Invalid, can Sorry, it's the nicest chair I've ever seen for an invalid. But an uh, invalid can just use a normal chair. That is true. Uh, maybe if you're a monster. <laughs> I don't know what this offers an invalid over a regular chair. And it's really not exercise, so They can bounce on those suspenders. Hey, this is patent number three hundred and seventy-one. It's a good one. It's a keeper. Thumbs down. Thumbs uh, down. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. It's it's Why? The, it is a chair. Because <laughs> it's like it's like the baby's bouncy chair before the baby bouncy chair. But how is this how is this going to help? anyone exercise it it's you know realistically it's its intent is not going to fulfill but we know kids love <laughs> kids love a bouncy chair but it's not for children it's for adults no it's for children an invalid child yeah well, for child. invalid child i would say this is all right it, it must be for an invalid child that, that can't be for an adult the back of that thing patrick is <laughs> justin back me up is this for an adult or a child i assumed an adult it doesn't say an invalid child you know, I assumed kind of like a little person, actually. I don't know why I assumed <laughs> that, but I, it's no good. It's it's not it's not anything. It's a bouncy chair for a child. Thumbs up. Three thumbs down. down. Well, Justin and his bizarro third <laughs> thumb. It's a really weird-looking left hand he's had all these years. But... That's his penis. How's <laughs> <laughs> that blanche de chamblé over there, Patrick? <laughs> I'm on number three. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm dehydrated. Alright, well, uh, that, was, that was pretty fun. We got, we got through all those guys. Man, I don't know. I, I'd like a bouncy chair. If they made a bouncy chair for an, an adult, would you use it? No. No, no. How is it any different than, say, like a, like a fancy rocking chair? <laughs> a rocking chair is soothing. This is to amuse a child while you do something else whatever was there an actual legitimate invention in there that could it was actually good there's no invention it's just a chair suspended on suspenders no Justin means the entire list was there anything in the list I I actually kind of can't remember what what else was in there was there anything actually legitimately good in there well Hmm. Patrick I believe would claim that the 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 Nork or the the the, scissors oh yeah oh yeah that one's good you know actually the, the the hat one actually I'll give the hat one so, yeah. yeah, the the best ones are definitely the ventilating hat, <coughs> the scissors, uh, obviously the portable bath. <laughs> and Wait, I guess the mustache protector? <laughs> <laughs> the, the scissors is actually, like... It's ingenious, a little bit. It, it's, it's incredibly clever, but I think you're cutting the roof of your mouth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, I mean, Patrick I right I now this? is holding
0: scissors in his mouth to see what happens. Would I use this? I don't know. But, you know, it's definitely very clever and solves the problem. It looks too surgical is the problem. From an aesthetic point of view, like, it looks like you'd use it to carve someone up. But it looks like the worst surgical tool there is. Like, it has a 100% infection rate or something. (laughs) (sighs) Well, I think we have to give the the ventilated hat the prize here, because I feel like it's the most legitimate invention of them all. Although it's literally like holes in the hat. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, but you know, like the baseball hat has like the mesh sort of I mean, netting on the top. That's true. So it's the, 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 the ventilating hat was... the the bulk hat. Yeah, it was ahead of itself. I mean, the portable bath. <laughs> I mean, if there was a winner from the bunch, I think portable bath kind of like brought the most sort of stupefaction in conversation. It's true. I, I do love the, the floating the head. the breast Just... reliever? The breast reliever, I mean... <laughs> I hope that man was arrested. <laughs> like what is it for? The pictures are incomprehensible. <laughs> Every diagram looks different from the rest. Yeah, like dear dear listeners, please, 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 please go to go to the webpage, look at the show notes, and take a look at this invention because it is monstrous and it's like you can't tell what any of them are. There's like I said, there's like a weird is that a battery pump. on the bottom right? I don't know, it looks like a battery, there's something, there's like a thing that looks like a piston, there's, there's this <laughs> diagram, no joke, okay, Patrick, I don't know if you've seen it, there's a diagram of a woman's chest, and they've like strapped all sorts of things around her, and her left arm is cut off. <laughs> doesn't need that, she has the breast reliever. Like, are you guys seeing this? This arm is clearly severed, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Justin's nodding, they can't hear that on the podcast, but Justin's nodding. <laughs> Oh, um, I gotta wrap up. I got seven minutes left on my laptop battery. You got no plugins? I don't know. I, I don't have it handy. <laughs> well, that's all right. We've we've I think we've reached about the end point of the episode. Uh, next week, uh, we are going to be looking at season four, episode number. Mm, great question. Seventeen, lucky number seventeen, where we will be looking at the outing and uh mm. jerry's jerry's birthday's coming up his friends trying to pick out that special gift for him maybe uh liza minnelli cd <laughs> maybe tickets to guys and dolls hard to say and uh, Jer- uh jerry has an interview set up with uh, a university student who mistakenly because of a prank uh, played by elaine believes that george and jerry are a closeted couple and publicly outs them in the school newspaper uh Kramer's around. I'm not really sure what he does in this episode. <laughs> doing but something. He he is he is there. And uh it's a it's a pretty good pretty good episode. Classic. It uh, won a Glad Media Award, so. Well not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> uh yeah, that was great. Well it's nice to have uh nice to have another show. Nice to have Justin on the show as always. Mm-hmm. I bet our, our downloads are going to spike when people hear that the old at Toka and Razar is available. And that there is a new episode versus no new episodes for weeks. Uh, I preemptively tweeted out there'd be a new episode this coming Monday. Mm, oh, wow. I, I noticed that. This Monday? This coming Monday. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Gotta get on editing that. Eh i don't think Uh, we had any swears so there's no strict i mean you definitely sweared patrick yeah yeah there's (laughs) there's there's like a there's a big violation really early on in the show did you catch that one justin uh it wasn't there was another one later into it actually there's there's a few uh but that's all right you're a good guy yeah (laughs) so uh patrick do you have any sort of like wisdom that you want to impart here in the the final moments of the show yeah, if you want to follow us on social medias, uh, we are on Twitter We're at twitter.com WTD show. You can get all the episode updates. You can see Cameron uh, teasing episodes when we decide to record one or whatever. You can star our tweets. It's pretty good now. Those starred tweets will show up in people's timelines. You can star tweets? That's favorite tweet. <laughs> oh favorite. yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, I was thinking like five star uh, tweets or something. <laughs> all uh, our tweets are five stars, Justin. You can also go on Facebook or Facebook dot com slash what's the deal show. Again, all our episodes are posted. there. You can like us. Do whatever you want. You know, the little pictures will show up there. You no, know, we should put those little pictures on Twitter now, because Twitter has images. What Twitter said. I know, but I just never put the images on Twitter. Alright, well, we're also on, it. On, we're also on tumblr if you go to what's the deal show.com that's a tumblr you can follow us it's a good tumblr retumble us is that a thing you do reblog yeah on all the social media you know or justin and <laughs> justin uh i get the feeling there's something else people could do well if you uh if you use the if you use the itunes you can you can rate the podcast out of five stars is it five stars it is. It's That's- a five to five uh, star rating scale. And you, if you uh, like the show, rate it five stars, which is great. You can uh, really help the show out. Maybe maybe the show will finally get some sponsors as a result. You know, maybe the, a little bit of Squarespace our way, or uh, oh man, a, a little so bit of mailchimp, a little bit of Mailchimp cash. If we if we could get some of that uh, that Squarespace money, that'd be. Or uh, how about uh, Casper? oh yeah big mattress big big mattress uh and you know what if you're if you're feeling uh like you don't want to do any of those things just as always head on over to what's the whatsthedealshow.com and you can uh you can check out the show notes you can listen to back episodes you got it all and uh, actually i'd like to point out right now we are up to nine five star reviews wow really wow yeah. and the <laughs> the one four-star review from uh, an, an unnamed uh, matron of the show. Oh, and, uh, you know, if you like this podcast, uh, some related choices are NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, Love it, the Homeland podcast, and, of course, the Jedi Alliance on uh, Movie Talk Nation. Classic. Also, don't forget to listen to Film Sack... <laughs> Scott Johnson which, don't say <laughs> film sacks <staff. laughs> uh, okay well as always I'd like to send a hearty thank you to you on behalf of Mr. Justin Armstrong thank you for having me Mr. Patrick Armstrong hello I mean goodbye <laughs> <laughs> and myself Cameron Wong thank you very much and we will be with you again next week or some other indeterminate time in the future good show good show yeah yeah patrick you like right near the beginning of the show you dropped you dropped a big one the f word